Welcome to the Ignition Podcast, which takes your life for cars and shows you the possibility. I have conversations with people in automotive and motorsport to discover how they got to where they are today. CEOs, racing drivers, influencers, and more. If you're interested in how these people live their lives and what they've done to get to where they are today, you're in the right place. My dad was broken. My family, they're more on the farming side of things as much as they're not farmers but I knew the way I could step up is just to show more initiative and to go oh do you need help with this and people applauded that a lot of the time almost because I've seen a lot of people that have bought their own cars take it to a track and they've fail on the same corner every single time because they're setting up the corner completely wrong yeah that push from when I was a kid to being told you're not good enough. Yes, okay, I'm a woman in motorsport, but I've never, I never want to have that barrier because whenever you put your helmet on, as far as I'm concerned, you're no different to a bloke. It's down to your skill in a car at the end of the day. And if anything, and it's probably going the other way, but women are better at my- Women and drifting. 10 years ago, that would have sounded crazy, but talent is talent. I've always admired drifting. It's more of an art form than a motorsport. And the drivers, well, they're like artists. And I've never come away from a conversation happier than this one. Tessa is like a ball of positivity. She's like that because she gets paid to do what she loves. So if you want to know how to live your dream and drifting life and get to pro and competition levels, this is the episode for you. Thank you to each and everyone who watches, listens and shares this podcast. Without you and your support, we wouldn't have made it into the top 15 best car podcasts to listen to worldwide. So, if you haven't already, please rate the podcast on this app. And if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, give it a review and let me know what you think. Again, thank you, and without your continued support, I wouldn't still be doing this. Now, back to past me. Tess, what ignited your passion for cars? Ooh. I think I've always had a love of cars from since I was little really um from the fact that I always mainly cars I was into farm machinery I did love tractors and I still love tractors to this day I think because of my my family they're more on the farming side of things as much as they're not farmers but I was always around that kind of stuff when I was younger and then I was obviously I had horses um so we only had one horsepower and then from there, I always wanted to do crazy stuff in cars. Ever since I was sort of 14, I went to a Jap show at Santapod. And my dad's uh, friend had an RX-7. And my dad's not really into cars. And I was helped out with changing things on old Range Rovers, Defenders, things like that. So I kind of had a little bit of a knowledge about it. Um, and then you're going going to Santapod, seeing smoke and engine noise and all this amazingness out the back of that was um, what was it? It was drift taxis. So I needed to have a go. So I got in the passenger seat of an R32 Skyline, and literally from that day forward, I was like, I need to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> How do that, I get that will, to do that? That will do it. Yeah. That, that's yeah. fantastic. So yeah, and it's interesting just because I mean, for me, like. That's not exactly how I envisioned most people get into it would be going to Santapod. I think the most people would, I don't know, my generation at least playing, playing video games and like speed and stuff like that. And that's how yeah. people like my age, you know, got into drifting. Well, not even drifting, just got into going to cars itself. But for you, like what was, what was the conversation you're having with your, your friends and, and stuff about that age going on? Like, what can I do in the future? What would the future look like for Tessa that, that age? I mean, what age are we talking? See, you got out of the R32 and you were like, oh, I need to do yeah. this. Like, what, what would you talk to your friends about how to get there, like what it looked like and stuff? Um, God, that's a tough one as such because I was always a, a tomboy as such. So I got on with the guys a hell of a lot better than I did the girls. And I was the cool girl that didn't really care and always had the banter and things. And as soon as... I sort of found drifting or into cars as such. I I bought my own, um, I mean, when I was 14, yes, I didn't buy my own car, but um, that's a hard one, actually. I can't even remember as such, no, to be honest. Yeah, no, fair enough. I that's guess it's, it's something I, I try and find out, like sort of 
what you were like at that age and the conversation you're yeah. having with your friends because again it's, it's quite easy to to say I'm a drifter now but for those people that you know want to be in your position like I guess it's easy it's nice to have to see the conversations you had at that age and what what did you want to be when you I guess what do you want to be when you're growing up aspiration back then um it probably sounds and putting a downer on it I always got told that I wasn't good enough for a lot of stuff um and I was never academically clever um and I was always a little madam when it comes to school, that kind of thing. So I think because I was cheeky, I never got in trouble. I was never on that when, I don't know whether it was when you went to school, but when I went to school, the naughty, naughty kids used to go at lunch or um, was it morning break to go and have their little blue book signed um, to say that whether they were a good child or not. And then at lunchtime, they'd have to go and have it signed again. And I always managed to evade that. I don't know whether it's because I was just clever or <laughs> managed to blame it on somebody else. I'm not sure. But that kind of thing, I suppose, I don't know. It, it's a, I, I suppose I was, I was interested in cars. And, but at the same time, I was wanting to be a girly girl as well. But I don't think I was accepted as such. I did get bullied at school, which is, I mean, a lot of kids go through it anyway, and got told by teachers that you'll never get anywhere. And I think that's where my my head went as to say, fuck you kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry, excuse my language, but I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Um, and that's where I, I sort of went out by myself kind of thing and said that, I'm gonna go and do some crazy stuff in cars and it wasn't the fact that I got straight into drifting I actually had a Suzuki Vitara that I bought when I was 17 or so well no that wasn't my first car actually I lie I had a Corsa B when I was 17 and that broke down literally the first day I had it I passed my test had to wait for my car on a Saturday and the engine ceased so I went and the next day and bought my uh, Fiesta ST from the showroom, was naughty. But then that was where I went crazy with cars from that sort of start, so, uh, side of things. But I always watched F the F1. I loved the F1. I thought it was awesome. And sort of back then it was like BTCC stuff as well. There wasn't anything yeah. really on drifting or anything like that. It was majorly you had to look up on the internet and, and things when I was that young, I suppose. Sorry, it was a bit no, of a long-winded no, roundabout <laughs> kind of story. I circled well, back like, at least. But it's, it's, it's interesting, though, to find out because, I mean, for me at school as well, like, I wasn't, wasn't necessarily bullied, but there was I, I did things that would warrant unnecessary attention, if that makes sense. And That's so it was, putting you, it, I, I like it. <laughs> wasn't wasn't naughty but it just warranted unnecessary attention but it's yeah. it's those moments that made me go like oh, I, guess, I guess I'm I'm different than everyone else for a good, for a good reason and yeah that's what kids do and then they bully people because you're different or you're or you're new to them so they they don't understand how to deal with it and therefore it comes out in teasing or, or, or physical violence or whatever it is for that for that kid in particular so when it came to you know test you, you were like okay cool no I'm going to prove these people wrong I'm going to show people that I can do whatever I want regardless of being told by your teachers and you're not good enough so what was the what was the first thing you did when you left school what was the like what what do I do, what do, I do now what was that for you? so I think I've always been money orientated um because I knew I had to go out to work I think because of my parents it was always go out to work to earn money to earn like earn your place in society really and I was working from when I was 13 14 but I was working at the stables and mucking out and riding and things like that. So I had like a good income coming in then, really. And then once I left school, I only did my GCSEs. I didn't do very well in my GCSEs. I went to college, redid some of my GCSEs and did some A-levels as well. And then I went out into the big wide world of London to try and get anything that I possibly could. And at the time, my very first job was, um, was a data inputter for an electrical firm. So I got very very good with my fingers on this side of the keyboard, <laughs> the numbers side of the keyboard. <laughs> it was very good. 
it's okay to talk, right? Well, Tacona is a brand that's changing mental health awareness. I have always been one that's found it hard to talk and that my feelings, well, they weren't exactly best spoken. Once I found Tacona and learned more about what Lewis does, I was amazed that a clothing brand is making people aware just with one simple logo. If you see a Tacona t-shirt, a shirt, a cap, a hat, a sticker, whatever it is, you know that person knows it's okay to talk. And because they want to help spread the message, Tacona is giving us 10% off. So if you listen to this podcast, in the show notes below will be a link to the website. And if you use code Ignition10, you get 10% off store-wide products. So enjoy and enjoy the rest of the episode. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, each month the podcast has a sponsor that I love and I believe helps the car community. And this month's sponsor does precisely that. I've been a big fan of Fuel for quite some time now, especially when it comes to working out. And I've got some exciting news to share with all of you. I recently discovered Huel's ready-to-drink milk, and it's a total game-changer. Not only is it delicious, but I'm a big fan of the chocolate flavour, and I'm a bigger fan of the 26 essential vitamins and minerals you need to go about your day. And let me tell you, it came in super handy during a recent 24-hour trip to a certain German racing track. Instead of eating unhealthy petrol station food, Huel kept me energised and focused on and off track. So if you are on the hunt for a quick and easy meal option, go to huel.com forward slash ignition to receive your free t-shirt and shaker and support the podcast. Now, back to the episode. And yeah, I think the reason why I went to London was always because I was in sort of the countryside. London was the place where you earn the money. And that's the way that I I sort of only understood uh, where I could earn money, really. Yeah, so there wasn't there wasn't any influences from outside of me. Obviously, you've seen Santa Pod. It's possible doing this. You can make your money, I guess, because you because you've seen it happen. Definitely. And I don't know for me, like you know, you go to car shows. You never really think about it as a kid. You don't really know what's going on because you know no one tells you. No, no one shows you what's no. what's possible. And no, exactly. When you were like sitting at this desk, obviously you had this Vitara at the time. And what was your way of you know releasing from that job? What was your way of you know maybe indulging in the in, in the car passion? So crazy things, really. I had a group of friends of mine that I did go to college with and then obviously stayed in touch with them when I went to work in in town. And we went out off-roading down the green lanes in the evenings. And it was like a hangout. You go go to get dinner first from McDonald's, as you do, and have have a monster. Or back then it was relentless at the time. And go on out for... God knows how many hours, and usually it was probably into the early hours of the morning, two, three a.m. This and the other, because one of the guys would get stuck, and we'd have to help them out. And one in particular guy that um, we used to all go out with. I think there was a probably the most part um, of our friends. I think there was seven or eight of us that all had like Landys, um, Suzuki Vitaras, Jimneys all sorts really and one had a bobtailed uh Range Rover classic yeah they bobtailed but he put an external roll cage on it he always used to get stuck because he used to do all the most craziest things and because we all had the smaller vehicles we'd have to tie each other together to try and get him out and that would take hours and hours and end and that was that was great fun I, I loved that even though yeah you're knackered when you get getting up going to work at five six in the morning but it was that release that I loved because it was the social side of things but also going out doing crazy stuff really and yeah that's actually how I learned how to drift as well on muddy fields in a Suzuki Vitara, <laughs> jacked up Suzuki Vitara. It's one of those things you'd imagine learning to drift is is, is a form of drive <laughs> but that's a, a best time to do it if anything muddy fields away from people rather than some people that do it in the middle of the street but, that's yeah. it that's the there are safer places to do it kids just just not not in the streets so, yeah that's it no exactly yeah you couldn't do that and, do that stuff anymore no but like, I guess that, that's quite nice because you've, you've obviously left the farm to go work in London but you're then still doing the stuff like you know working with the 4x4s and you're doing that and I'm just wondering about that, that job you had the, the, the days were inputting was it did you want to do that job was that something you, you wanted to do was it again were you just following the following the money uh, yeah I was following the money really and if I got the more experience where where I was and I could move up and along and things like that and then I I worked as a, a receptionist in a, 
um, in a law firm from there and then built myself up to sort of a PA, then an executive assistant. Then I was going to do my um, law degree and which was crazy and the company that I worked for LeBeouf, Lamb, Grin and McRae that's what they were called um, and they actually merged with another company and the last people in first first people out uh, so which was annoying in that sense but I ended up being an associate for them so I worked alongside the lawyers mainly um, and dealt with all of their their today to do's and things like that which was really cool so I learned the legal jargon and everything like that which was awesome because I I think because I knew the way I could step up is just to show more initiative and to go oh do you need help with this and and I I think people applauded that a lot of the time and I grew within the company really quite quickly even though yes I did get made redundant but then from there I went from doing that doing the data input in PA and then associate for a legal firm and I was looking for a job I went into London every morning because obviously being in Hertfordshire an hour and a half away from town it was quite difficult if it, if you were like on a temp role or what have you I had a few temp roles in between all of this that was just to tide me over but um was sitting outside Cafe Nero in Oxford Circus a coffee and a croissant in the morning and there was the same guy that I saw pretty much every every th- three days uh, on the third day that I was there and he actually asked me what what I did and things like that and I ended up working for an investment company as a PA because the PA had took long-term sick or what have you and yeah it was one of those where I was like right I'm in the right place now because I know investments you can make lots of money and again I I built myself up from that and that's when I got my skyline when I was 21 because I sort of earned enough money from there really. And so the skyline, was this the thing that got you interested? Was this the, I guess the car that maybe turned the tides on, on what, you, what you thought you were going to do? Yeah. And how did, how did that car do that? I really wanted an R34 skyline because they were the best things ever, but they were out of my price range. And yeah, I, I was looking around for ages and I was, it was picked between the two. Me and my dad went out to go and uh, look at the car, one of them, and which was the unmolested one, literally had come over from Japan two years prior. And this guy wanted it gone. I remember my dad um, saying about the high cast rear, basically the rear steer on the skylines was broken so the back end was moving so my dad haggled him down even more so it went from four thousand two hundred pounds to three two I think we ended up buying the car for and at the time one of those now for three grand I know exactly (laughs) but yeah literally from that day forward it was like I was silly and took the car out straight away pretty much and thought I was a drift queen and went round and round about and split my front bumper in two. But I was lucky that I lived down the road from a company called Aero Kit that have looked after me ever since I started drifting all those many years ago. And then uh, I literally took my bumper there. But I had to, I had to be the honest one to my family and be like, I'm very sorry. Yep, <laughs> I broke it straight away. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, it's, it's going to happen, though, isn't it? I guess you were 21 with a car with that much power, and it's it's, yeah. it's almost tempting, isn't it? Because I remember, like, I, I guess I did, I did a similar thing without working in investments, like, during lockdown. That's when I was 20, and I spent a lot of time day trading. And I was Ooh. like, the more I did it, obviously, you lose money, but you gain money. And overall, I, I made a bit, and I bought this this Mini. And yeah. I guess when you do that, that car is that car is your your escape, your outlet from, from what's going on. And I did some crazy stuff in that. <laughs> thing oh yeah and, and <laughs> broke the engine blew up on me which is which is hilarious thinking back to oh, it oh no but yeah we done, <laughs> foot's a bit you... heavy, but you know yeah no it was just <laughs> that's that's the norm though anybody into cars you you have got a heavy right foot naturally <laughs> well, that's the thing and also those cars are notorious for blowing up because it was a supercharged one and so the thing was just uh, des- yeah. destined to blow up on me but didn't know that at the time <laughs> not good not good no it's not great and 
Um, so how did you then, how did you get into drifting then? Because obviously you, you've got these cards, you've got the experience, you've done the, this drifting, yeah. I don't know, where, where was it, what did it look like? What, how did the opportunity come to, to get into competitions to do? I, I don't know a lot about drifting. So ex- yeah. explain to me as, as simple as you can, like how, how does one get into it? What does that look like for you? Um, I mean, there is a lot of different avenues now than there was when I first got into it. I took myself back to Santapod and they do what is called a, a Drift What You Brung Day. So as long as you had your own car, you could go out and take your car to like a, a two Santa pod. But there was different pens that you could uh, go in for, depending on what your level was, whether it was the donut pen, the kidney pen, or the big track, that kind of thing. Whereas now there's more opportunity for people to go and try it out to see whether they like it or not. And even to go a couple of times, three or four five times um to go and build their skill and also if they want to buy a car at the same time then to modify it to become better or better able to drift as such and then and then you can go and take your own car on a track or to santa pods there's all over the place now that there's different drift days that you can go go to yeah because there's gonna be quite a few drift schools around popping up now I know there's quite a few of those. There's there's definitely one in the south that's called Drift Limits. There's me who's got RDX Drift Academy uh, that we're based in Wigan at the moment. And then there's another one a bit further up north that's PH Drift. But there's also Learn to Drift, which is all over the place because they've got many different venues. And I think there's possibly even more uh, up in Scotland as well base sort of at Driftland. Yeah. Yeah, so if, all over. Yeah, so if I'm 18 years old and I come up to you and I go, I want to be where you are, I don't know, maybe if it's like a fast track almost, what would you what would you recommend I do? For, do, I, do I buy a car? Do I attend one of these events? For you, what, what would be the easiest way to fast track getting to, to where you are now? I would say, yes, buy a car, but also get some help from people who actually know what they're talking about and get them in your car. Yes, we would have to drive them, that kind of thing so like myself as I'm a teacher anyway and we would get into your car test it and see what we can do with it and then instruct you in the right way to then for you to be able to to drift your own car and to do that is probably the best best bet first and foremost because I've seen a lot of people that have bought their own cars take it to a track and they fail on the same corner every single time because they're setting up the corner completely wrong. And yeah, as much as you, that's the way you learn is seat time. But if you've got someone there to actually give you a little bit more information of like, no, don't do that, do it this way. And they're like, oh my God, why didn't I think of that before? And it's lovely when it clicks. And that's why I love teaching people because you get that satisfaction from them actually learning something and then to be able to carry them through for for their journey of drifting really so yeah i would definitely say buy your own car um whether it's a bmw nissan 350z the only thing is now everything is getting more more and more expensive but the general rule is to weld the differential obviously all these cars have got to be rear wheel drive rear differential needs to be welded or if you've got a bit more money, then you get a LSD or something of that nature in it, like a two-way or 1.5-way diff. Uh, but it's actually the pumpkin that's within the diff that needs to be changed. Or And then what else do you need? I would say a good all-round coilover. Um, it's called an HSD, Monopros they're called. You get them from all over the place, uh, but mainly from... I wouldn't personally buy um, eBay coilovers just because you'll potentially be um, changing them more often because some of the things that also there's not dampeners on on the actual coilovers themselves and there's not a lot of movement in them and because the spring ratings are a bit harder and things like that. So, yeah, there's there's that um get yourself a a seat put in it um like a bucket seat just so you've got more safety and some harnesses and you don't even need a hydraulic handbrake first of 
first of all, because yeah, I I actually learned how to drift without one because I got I got given information and I had a had good friends on the track sort of saying, if you have it too soon, you'll end up relying on it too much. So if you can learn without it, then it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier because it's there to slow yourself down. If you are going 60, 70, 80 miles an hour into a corner, of course, you're going to want to have something to go. Can you slow down a bit now, please? (laughs) But it's all about setting up your corner of how to drift and to continue that drift all the way through. But if, if you have a hydraulic handbrake, essentially you're going to be slowing the car down too much to then have to pedal the hell out of that car to keep it keep the momentum throughout the entire drift course as such hmm. so that's what i'd say well, it's a real wealth of knowledge Tessa. i'm, I'm just thinking yeah. like you know how did you get all this obviously what was what was your journey from that from that going to i, f- I forget their name would you the name of the the company that helped your bumper break it <laughs> erica so how did you go from you know meeting eric at breaking your LT2 for the first time to where you are now. Can you explain to me like what was the what was your journey like? So I knew AeroKit before I even got or yeah, before I even knew got my car really. I used to go and help them at events and things like that. Um basically either with the models uh, that they had working for them or it was a case of looking after the drivers or the drift drivers that were on on track and things at the time it was a company called jdm all stars that which was the competition or the drift championship back in the day and yeah i used to help help out at those events when they had drivers that were sponsored um by that team which was really good fun and then i got my car and it was a it was just a natural progression really because i from that i learned i'm a competitive person anyway So it was a case of, I always knew that I wanted to compete, but where was really what I wanted to do. And I'm a very visual learner in the fact that I can be watching from the outside or I sit next to somebody that's more advanced than I am. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's he doing? He's left foot braking through this corner or he's hardly dragging a handbrake, he's just dabbing a handbrake. And there's those movements in your hands as well that, you don't need to do too too much input with your hands. So from that, I was from having somebody in the car with me from going to this championship. I knew that I wanted to do that kind of championship really, but it was a case of, I knew what I needed for my car as in I needed to have a cage in my car, which my car's already really heavy because she's a skyline. She's a big old girl. Um, so I wanted a T45 steel, um, cage in my car. And that again was more expensive. And at the time I was, I loved my brands. So I always had to have the best of everything. It was all like the Defi gauges and the Nismo this and um, all of those and the bride seats and loved all of that kind of stuff. But Actually, when I got down to it, it was mm, the necessary things are the things that you need to be spending the money on, <laughs> even though it looks good. And they're like, oh, Defi gauges, oh, bride seats. That's beautiful. But <laughs> purpose and and fashion, really, is uh, that's the one. <laughs> but yeah, then it was a case of me. I actually... Uh, so I had to wait for my cage to be done and at the time I met my partner Martin and I looked after him for I think it was a year of nearly two years I would say his drift program and I went with him I was his pit crew his spotter and drive it helping driving all over Europe really from 2014 and watching what he did was such a help as well and helping him of what he needed to do on track and calming him down before he got in the car to go go and qualify and then into battles and things like that because he used to get so stressed back in the day and it was like okay now I'm learning a bit more intricacy of of how this all works then I helped him towards he did the driving he's an incredible driver and uh, Driftworks came on board 
with uh, Martin and gave him an R their R32 Skyline to drive. Then his R33 Skyline became available because I had to wait for my cage to be done, which I had to wait for a year. So he gifted oh. me his car to drive. <laughs> oh, um, no, what a shame. So, but I know, exactly. <laughs> the best part was it was I'd, I'd done all sorts of things to my engine, but it was still nearly 500 brake horsepower whereas martin's was 580 brake horsepower with a 1jz and it's like oh my god that's even better <laughs> so i wasn't i wasn't dis <laughs> depressed about that at all but yeah he he went abroad and i think he was judging a competition over in dubai which i was massively miffed off about to be honest but that same weekend was uh, a uk event that was sort of grassroots championship back in the day and took myself there, had a, a load of friends, my, my really good friend Georgie and uh, Emma and Rich, her partner Rich. We all went together. My mum and dad came, my sister came. It was great. Um, but I qualified 32nd, which was the last position on the grid. So you, you get, um, yeah, if you're in a qualifying sequence so it's first to 30 seconds and then you go against each other so first first place goes against 32nd place second goes against 31st and so on and so forth so in my situation first place would lead first and then I would follow and chase the lead driver and the idea is to get as close as you can without touching that car if you can touch the car in front of you as long as you don't uh put them off basically um and then you swap over so you, that runs finished and it's usually between a 30 to 50 second run usually and then you swap over so then i was leading and then the first place was uh, was chasing me and then it went with, uh, to a one more time which again you do the same thing again and they still couldn't make their decision so they decided to do another one more time but at that point, I needed to go and change my tyres. And unfortunately, the the track that we were at was one in, one out. So by that point, there was a lot of drivers all stacked up. So I couldn't change my tyres. Unfortunately, couldn't change tyres. So had to run with literally no tread on on the um, on the tyres at all, which resulted in me in obviously not winning, which was frustrating. But hey ho, it is what it is. And I was a newbie to the block and I could not possibly beat first place. That would be just ridiculous. So I went away from that competition with a hard charger award, which is basically a cop out as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I either want a trophy to be on a podium or none at all. Like, there's no point, really. Fair enough. Um, so then I decided to take myself out to Europe. Yes, it was a lot more expensive. But I was lucky in the effect that I had some spare money and some saved money at the time and took myself out to France to my very first event, which was called, um, it was a ridiculously fast track. And I was entering into the um, King and Queen of Europe, basically. And it was a track called Le Nou Durin. And the first corner is blind, but you're coming in uh, over. 80 miles an hour and I, it was my first time on semi-slick tyres which was quite scary because obviously you've got a lot more grip but when you have a lot more grip you are going that much faster and I did scare myself quite a lot but I ended up winning Queen of Europe that day or that weekend and there was so such more of a vibe over in Europe as well and, it, and like all the the competitors and the people who come to watch and the fans and stuff all really get involved and really get behind you as a driver, which is lovely. <clears throat> so yeah, I did that whole year and did relatively well in King of Europe as well as Queen, Queen of Europe. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I'm going to make a go of this, definitely. So yeah, that, that was sort of my first year of competing that I did really well. So I continued on and pushed, really. Yeah, we were clearly committed to the fact you've just yes. jumped to Europe. Not that yeah. I wanted to stay in the UK. 
that's, no. that's enough for me to go. You probably should do it regardless of how well you do. There's, Definitely. But but is that it? Was the reckon that was the the drive from early on in life, like not feeling good enough, or do you reckon that's the competitive side of you? Like, what made you do that? What made you go? I think actually, you know what? I've enjoyed the drifting competition side of it, but I want to give it a proper go. What was that for you? I think because I I met Martin. Um, he lived up in the Midlands. I obviously lived down south. And it was always like, a, oh, where do I go from here? But the competition side of things really interested me because, one, there was hardly any females that, that did it in Europe, let alone the UK. There was next to none, none in the UK. And it was one of those where it's like, well, there's only when I was a couple of more years in that I got quite a few, quite a lot of fans and little Litlands wanted to come up and have my signature and things like that. And it's like, I need to, I need to make a go of this because I'm an inspiration for those kids and you never know where they go and you get to meet the families. And I love interacting and chatting and being able to give back to the, to the fans, but they're also little carters and they've been doing carting since they were three and you never know where that leads to and to be their inspiration is is incredible and yeah that push from when I was a kid to being told you're not good enough yes okay I'm a woman in motorsport but I've never I never want to be known or have that barrier because whenever you put your helmet on as far as I'm concerned you're no different to a bloke not at all it's it's down to your skill in a car at the end of the day it's that's it really and if anything and it's probably going the other way but women are better at multitasking than blokes as far as I'm concerned so (laughs) okay we got got a little bit of derogatoryness but but yeah I've always that's where where my passion came from from doing it a little bit more to then going into this full-time is how much response I had from from loads of people just with being on circuit, definitely. Yeah. But what is this? I mean? Yeah, uh, the whole I guess the whole women being multitasking better than men thing <laughs> makes you yeah. makes you better. No, no, no. <laughs> makes you, <laughs> makes you, I guess more interesting, more interesting. Um, but when it comes to drifting, I guess because I, I I don't care when, it, when you get I'm with you, and if you look at look at racing driver once the helmet's on, the helmet's on. Yeah. The factory woman has nothing to do with the factory racing driver. Exactly. Um, and for you, like, just what, to, from day to day now, what is what does day to day look for you? You're, you're in it full time. You're competing. Mm. What are the sort of the intricacies of that? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of different struggles and competition and blood, sweat, and tears with everything. Because if you're not on it all of the time, then you're not committed enough, as such. And because it's it does now, I'm immersed in it all now because I've got my Drift Academy and that's my that's my give back as such. I love I love getting, as I said earlier, I love being able to teach somebody and somebody to go away to go and buy their own car to then go on to their journey of drifting. And I think that's amazing. But then going to the competition side of things, you've got to have so much thought about what you're going to do and be present, be seen be on social media all the time and to do that and to run a business and to be going out and doing the the day-to-day thing well I mean say day-to-day things but the things that I do because of my drifting I now um into uh, driving stunt driving and things like that I get called upon to go and do different different things whether it's on movies, TV shows or music videos and stuff, which is fab, but you've got to put all of that, you've got to fit that all in into your month as such, even though you could have one month that you've got next to nothing going on. You've got a plan of what you're going to do, right? I'm going to do posts this day or I'm going to spend time, a couple of hours creating these posts. But then that all changes because you get a call and, right, Tess, we need you for this driving job for the next week and you're like ah what am I gonna do now (laughs) but then juggling my my business as well and the people that I have come and help me and whether they need to do it by themselves or I'm helping them with with the day and and things like that so 
there's a lot of juggling going on and there's a lot that goes into it because you have to split yourself into four people really you've got to be able to do the remedial works talk to your sponsors and be on socials be present at events go and do these events and also be able to bring the money in as well exactly no i i, I don't i don't see how people do it. it's a lot of when you say blood sweat and tears i mean sometimes that can be quite vague but you've quite you know nicely put it into you're four people you're one person doing four people's jobs and so it can be yeah. must 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 be exhausting <laughs> It is, but Definitely. it's worth it. I mean, you mentioned like I, I don't, I don't want to talk about this if you, if you don't mind the, the stuff the outside of the drifting. So, like, I mean, see, you've mentioned sponsors, and you mentioned the the stunt driving. How does that come about? Do you go looking for the opportunities? Do people contact you? Like, so, what was that? What happens there? Um, I mean, with the likes of different sponsors and things like that, um, I think because I took myself out and proved myself in Europe I had sponsors looking at me from from that point of view and approached me asked me to do like an initiation test type thing and then a year later I signed with them so it's a case of your personality it's not just your driving it's having the personality to be able to talk to people to be able to talk to fans and have things signed for four or five hours because sometimes that's what you're doing um, and then go out driving and throwing the car around like an absolute loony, lunatic, but then being able to get out and then chat to people and be and have a personality about you. I think that's that's the main thing as well, because there's I think that's what sold it to a couple of my sponsors anyway, that you have to kind of be an all rounder. Not saying I'm perfect. Definitely not. <laughs> but I think because I have a little bit of an edge and I'm a bit of a nutter and I'm not scared to say what no that's not right <laughs> in the nicest way <laughs> but yeah so you do have to be yeah, an all-rounder so in that sense what made you start a business then was this and forgive forgive me if this comes across the wrong way but was this another just sort of you know chasing the money or was this something that you wanted to help people with no I wanted to help uh I think one I didn't start the business the business did was existing before um I actually bought it and it was a case of they were going to sell it anyway but it was offered to my partner and I to see whether we wanted to take it on my partner's got his own mechanics business and it was like well that's kind of what you've always spoken about so make it your baby like you you run with it and obviously he helps me with with all of that and stuff but I I wanted to to do it because I I thought I could do that from a not a professional manner but from a more of an experience. So to be heading up the company but also being a competition driver as well and having one of the having my other half being a championship driver who I look after and and things like that is always nicer than having some someone that has only done a bit of drifting that kind of knows what they're doing but only can get you so far hmm. yeah no it's, it's, it's one of those things where, like you know you could teach someone to race by showing them youtube videos or you can get someone who's actually in the youtube videos to, to teach them how to race definitely yeah. and test so for them if you like you know you got the business you're doing competitions you know, it's it's going quite well, you want to say. So what, maybe, I don't know, maybe what is the, what is the future like for you? For, you know, if I'd say in the future you'll have X, what does X look like? What are your goals for maybe five, ten years' time? Well, sky's the limit as such. If you aim for the moon, you catch a star, that kind of thing. And I've always been of that nature that there's a lot of things that I haven't done yet that I really want to go and accomplish and, and smash, basically. <laughs> and be able to come away from it going I, I did well or I could do better at that let's go back and do it again that kind of thing um in regards to competition I'd like to go further afield things like that to go and prove myself in in other countries and also to get a different feel for what it's like in Asia and things like that really that would be amazing Next five to ten years, I probably need to have kids in between then as well. But it's not you say to say probably. 
<laughs> maybe maybe but yeah the next sort of 10 years or so it's definitely got to start a family that kind of thing but that's not to say that I won't come back to it because I've still got my business and I think a lot of people think that they can't go back in well, especially women they can't go back and race because they've had kids that's proven proven you can with a lot of people that I know over in the states and that have got kids that are still racing and I'd love I'd love that I definitely not shy away from racing or drifting competing and things even after I've had kids that's good it's fantastic it's nice to say you know you're just going to put a um put a lid in your career if if you want to say that put it that way no definitely not great um and just before we end is is, there is there is five quick questions that I like to ask and that's a short of a quick five don't worry it's not they're not that scary (laughs) the first one the first one is, uh, what, what is your ultimate three car garage? Oh, um, the new electric Hummer. I think that's really cool. Interesting choice. <laughs> I know, yes. <laughs> um, now we're going drift related, so it's got to be a A90 Supra as that. And also that would be like a, it's a cute car anyway. And then my fancy crazy car would be, a Lamborghini Huracan. Decent. Good, all-rounded. I'm glad it was three as well, because usually what would be your one? And I can never just say one, because it's like, what? I can't just choose that. <laughs> so thank you for that. No worries. We're well, going to hate the next question. It is, true. You know, <laughs> it is. It always is. You have one car to drive on any okay. road or track. Where would you go and what would you take? Well, it would have to be a Bisu, and it would probably have to be probably have to be a chaser you know road to chaser this is one of those things like i guess for like for me I'm, I'm more of like a racetrack guy and so like the nurburgring is always something that i am absolutely obsessed with i think yeah. it's like if it's if it's drifting it's i can't pronounce the word that track yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. thank you and it's you know if it's more circuit driven it's more but yeah, i get the nurburg le mans tracks like that I don't know what it yeah. is. It's a obsession. It's, I guess it's the complexity of those circuits that make them so fun. Certainly is, and the variety yeah. that I've you've got out in a BSU. There's multiple all over the place, which is oh, heaven. <laughs> That's what falls motorsport is. Exactly <laughs> that. Exactly. Yeah. No. And the next question then is test the advice that you would give to a younger you or someone that was something with their passion. <clears throat> Keep pushing for your dream. Keep pushing for my. My best saying is aim for the moon and you'll catch a star and never stop wanting what you want out of life. Because if you don't do what you love, you'll never accomplish what you want. No, that's brilliant advice. I guess it's, um, and I know that I don't want to glorify this whole thing, but if if, if we're talking young women in particular, what would your would your advice be to, to them to, to do what you're doing or to get into motorsport? From a female perspective, be brave like break the mold don't just run with the crowd and back down to guys that want to want to say oh you should be in the kitchen things like that no that's bollocks as far as I'm concerned you can go out there and go and take a cart out on track you can take a car out on track you can go drifting anything that you fancy doing go out there and pursue your dream and if that's your dream Go out there and bloody do it. Great. And because this podcast is is all about, you know, showing people what's possible, I'd be interested in knowing if the job you're doing right now is the answer to this question. But the next question is, if you could do anything, money, no object, what would you do for work? It, to be honest, it would be to improve my, my Drift Academy. It would be a bigger, bigger scale and maybe even have have my own racetrack at my house. That would be amazing. <laughs> but it wouldn't just be a drift track. It would be off-roading and, oh, it would be awesome. To come and, yeah, put your car on a ramp, all, all sorts. If I could have that, I think it's been on Unilad and things like that, that house, yeah. which is in oh, the yeah. middle <laughs> of that drift absolute ideal. <laughs> is that it? I guess everyone wants their own little place, I guess, to, to do all the yeah. things like the cars. I think... Adam Elsie has a cool little compound, doesn't he? To, to sort oh of oh my god, yes. Drift around and install his elaborate collection of cars. Yeah, certainly does. That is yeah, the dream yeah. right there. 
Yeah, that is the thing. I, I, I've always wanted like a hospitality sort of place that I could have in oh. those cars and coffees and or it's like storage and whatever. That's it. It's like kind of my thing is, is to have something like that. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And For so sure. then the last question is, is, is what do you love most about drifting? What I love most about drifting, I would have to say, is the difference that, so, no. The thing I love most about drifting is the fact it's rally and track driving all in one, really. So you get the best of all the worlds of motorsport, really, um, because it's it's controlling an uncontrollable car, essentially, which is the most exhilarating thing that anyone could do in a car, really. A lot, a lot of people think that oh, there's a lot of skill to it or anything like that, but as soon as I get somebody who's a complete newbie, I show what, what to do in a car, even just donuts and figures of eight, and they're like, mm. I thought it was going to be so much easier than what it is. So, yeah, that's what I'd say. That's great. No. Uh, and Tess, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure to hear your story and, and listen to, you know, how you got to where you are today. And if people yeah. want to find, you know, Drift Academy or yourself, where, where can they look? Well, RDX Drift Academy, it's either on Instagram or I've got my, the only website and myself, Tess Wittuk or Tess Arwittuk, all over socials. Anywhere you can, find, anywhere you can type my name anyway, into it. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Brilliant. Tess, thank you very much. No, thank you very much, Harry. Much appreciated. Great chatting to you. Just want to say a huge thank you if you made it to the end of this episode. Tessa's story for women and just drifters in general is hugely inspirational. Coming out of the corporate world and going into something she loved, just by sticking around, following people and getting involved in the motorsport itself, led to her getting her own car, racing in her own tracks, and being able to tour with the likes of Monster Energy and Driftworks. If you want to know more about Tessa, her socials will be in the link below. And if you want to follow the podcast, those links are also below as well. And with that being said, I'm Harry and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening.